Hey guys, Pastor Ben. Thank you for joining us here on FCC Online. We are truly thankful and appreciate you taking the time to watch and listen to our messages. One thing that I do want to encourage you to do is as you're watching these, please don't allow these to be your primary resource in your spiritual journey and your walk with Jesus. Keep these as a supplement to what you do on a weekly basis from the gathering, uh, being connected, being part of a life of a local church body. We want these to bless you. We want these messages and these videos to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. But please do not allow these to replace anything that you have to do with a local church body. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, there should be one in the pew there in front of you. Uh, you can turn there. We're going to be reading. It's actually going to be the same passage that we read last week. Uh, we're moving into the second imperative command here that the writer of Hebrews issues to us. Last week was, let us draw near. Uh, and we spent time uh, talking about this one element that was necessary for us to truly be able to fulfill this command of being, uh, being faithful in drawing near. And that, that one area was the awe and fearing the Lord from a biblical sense, what it meant to kind of look like to live in awe and to reverence God and to fear the Lord as we are commanded in His Word. This week, we're going to find another let us statement, but I'm just going to go ahead and read verses 19 through 25 once again, and then we'll get into the uh, in particular verse for the imperative for today. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. It's a great statement the way to end that one, isn't it? For he who promised is faithful. Verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, just to lay a little bit of backstory here and a little bit of context very quickly, the author of Hebrews has taken this letter and targeted it towards a group of believers that had a history and had their legacy, so to speak, set in the Jewish faith. Now, they were Messianic Jews, which means that they believed in Jesus Christ as the Savior, and they were beginning to face hardship, difficulties, and maybe even some persecution because of this new way of life. This new faith, this new belief that Jesus Christ was and is the Messiah. The writer was noticing that there was becoming a tendency for this particular group of believers to want to turn back and go back into their old way of life. We've talked about the word a couple times, apostasy here. They were turning back, going back to the way that they believed 
simply because it wasn't so much a, of a denouncing of the fact that they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They just were tempted to do this because they believed life to be easier when they weren't serving Jesus Christ as Savior. Have you ever felt that way in your life for the believers in here? Like sometimes you just wonder if it wouldn't be easier, if life wouldn't be a little simpler to navigate, that the waters may not be so troubled. Maybe the standards wouldn't be so high. If I can just talk to us really, really directly this morning, how many of us have had times in our thinking that we're like, you know what, this would be so much easier to handle, to react to, to respond to, to navigate if I weren't held to the standard of Christianity. I mean, we can set and act all holy if we want. I mean, I wore a suit this morning I'm trying to act so holy. All right? But the reality is, is all of us fight that on some level that, listen, we are tempted by the enemy to set and think at times that life would be so much easier. There would be so much less resistance. There would be so much, it would just, the waters would be calmer. The stress, stress levels would be less. The anxiety would be less. The worry would be less. That's the temptation we fight in our mind, isn't it? And this was a similar temptation. Only they, these believers were being persecuted. And the writer of Hebrews is taking this whole book and what we've seen through this first nine and a half chapters is the writer making the case over and over and over and over and over again that Jesus is greater. And while uh, there's been commands to hold fast, while there's been commands not to turn your back, to stay the course, to stay consistent, this is really the first section of this book that we really start seeing the rubber hitting the road because the author has taken so much time to establish this fact of Jesus is greater. Insert whatever you want to in the blank before that statement. It's still true that Jesus is is greater he's greater than the covenant he's greater than the priest he's greater than moses he's greater than david he's greater than the angels he's greater than the covenant he's greater than everything and then the writer says with all of this in consideration there's going to be three things that you're going to have to do to really that's going to really require something of you because i'm i'm thankful that god is a graceful and merciful god anyone else in here this morning are you glad that in your life God is graceful and he's merciful to you? And I'm glad, I rejoice, and I love the fact that Jesus comes to comfort me. I'm also really glad that there's times that Jesus comes to kick me in the tail section there. Tell me to get up, quit having a pity party. Like comfort is great, but at times, man, you're going to have to get up. And that's kind of what we're seeing out of the writer of Hebrews. He's like, listen, all of this is great. I'm going to provide you comfort. I'm going to challenge you a little bit. I'm going to give you assurance. But now is the time for you to do something. And I believe the same is true for us as we begin to look at these imperatives. The first one last week, like I said, and I believe that these build on each other, was that we need to draw near to God with full assurance through Jesus Christ. The curtain of his flesh that's been, that's been removed, that there's no longer any hindrances between us and the presence of God. That's an amazing statement in and of itself, isn't it? Like that there is no longer any 
curtain. There's no longer any veil. There's no longer any uh, thing that could keep us. There's no necessarily this tabernacle or this temple where there's compartments to where one of them is the Holy of Holy. Like we live and we dwell in the very access to the presence of God. So draw near to God. And then the next one is found in verse 23. As we're holding fast, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Hold fast to the confession of our hope. What is the confession of our hope? In a very simple statement, the confession of our hope is Jesus Christ. It is that God himself, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when we confess, when we surrender, when we lay ourselves down, when we go from death to life in him, his resurrection, his baptism, and we live in the hope that we confess that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, the hope remains the same. And that hope is Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm thankful that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, because I'm not. You're not. I may have a really good day today. Like I, th That may happen. There's a lot of food on the menu for today, so it's looking promising. The only thing that's really going to seal it is that, that after-church nap. Oh, can I get a test? Somebody testify with me in here. Like that after-service nap. Like I find I'm a better Christian when I can nap on Sundays. Like I feel closer to the Lord. But it's that confession of our hope of Jesus Christ that no matter what turmoil I'm facing, no matter what life is throwing at me, and no matter what state that the world is in, I can look and I go, that hope never changes. And that's the confession of my hope. And I love how this passage puts it, of our hope without wavering. Now, notice it says, for he who has promised is faithful. God's faithfulness to you is never going to change. And that's something to be very, very thankful for. But sometimes our grip on our hope does change. Like sometimes it wavers, doesn't it? And sometimes it, we find ourselves shaken. And later in this study in Hebrews, we're going to see the statement where it says that God is giving us an unshakable kingdom. All things that can be shaken away will be shaken away. But right now we need to concentrate on holding on, holding fast to the confession of our hope, which is in Christ Jesus. And when we will hold to that hope, when we will hold to him without wavering, I think that there are three evidences. I think there are three things that we find in the life of a believer that Jesus Christ has promised. And the first is his peace. 
his peace. If you turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, let's look at some of the things here that we see that in the life of a believer, some reasons that we can hold to hope, that confession, without wavering this morning. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. This is, this is Jesus talking here. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now this is Jesus talking to his disciples toward the end of his life. And he's trying to prepare them for what's about to come. He is getting ready to leave. He is getting ready to be arrested. He's getting ready to be put on trial. He's getting ready to be crucified. And then he'll resurrect. And then he'll ascend 40 days after that. But he's trying to prepare the disciples about what's going to happen. And he tells them words of comfort, words of hope, words that should solidify their confession in him as Savior more than ever before because he says, I'm getting ready to leave. But don't worry because I'm going to leave my peace with you. And then he gives us the differentiation here. He says, not as the world gives do I give to you. He's saying, it's not the peace that the world gives you that I'm giving you. So don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid because the peace that I am giving to you is not based in this world. You see, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see a life of peace in the midst of almost every situation and circumstance that you could possibly imagine. You see, Peace in a young man sitting in the temple at the age of 12 instructing the religious leaders of the day. You see peace in a man who is traveling miles and miles and miles upon exhaustion each and every day. You see peace when the multitudes are gathered around him. You see peace when demands are being made of him. You see peace when multitudes go away from him because they're offended at something he said. You see peace from a man who's being falsely accused. You see peace from a man who's tried to be entrapped by the religious leaders and the government officials day after day after day. You see peace in a man praying in a garden about to be arrested. You see peace in a man when his, when his followers take off the ear of a Roman soldier. You see peace in a man when he is unjustly accused, when he's beaten, mocked, scorned, ridiculed. You see peace in a man when he is hanging upon the cross of Calvary, drawing his last breath. You see peace in a man when one of his most closely, one of his followers that followed him the most closely, whenever he betrayed him, you see peace. Whenever you see denial from another one that followed him, you see peace. This is the kind of peace that Christ is leaving with us. It's the peace that can look in every circumstance and possible situation that you could face in your life and you go, I still got Jesus. All my hope is in Jesus. Financial crisis, yeah, I'm not happy about it. But I've still got Jesus. My retirement crashed, 
still got Jesus. My relationship's falling apart, I've got Jesus. My kids are in rebellion, I've still got Jesus. My miserable at my job, I lost my job, I missed out on a promotion, I didn't get this, I didn't have that. Everything in the world seems to be working against me. There is nothing in my life, maybe, that has evidence of me being blessed on it other than the fact that I still have Jesus. And I have that peace that passes all understanding that no matter what I am facing, I still have Jesus. So my peace I leave with you, not the peace that the world offers you, but the peace that I give. I've got this quote from Tim Keller that, that's part of this, and I kind of want to insert this here. Tim Keller says, you are worse than what you think you are. Don't worry, it gets better. <laughs> you are worse than you think you are and loved by God more than you believe. You are worse than you think you are, but you're loved by God more than you believe. And here, here's kind of how this relates to me. Because, like I said, I could very well have a really good day today. And you know what I may do tomorrow? I may fall flat on my face all day. Now, I'm hoping that it's not a repeat of last Monday. Because last Monday was the Mondayest Monday that ever Mondayed. Okay, I don't want that again. But here's the piece that I draw from this is that even at my worst, I am still loved more by God than my worst. That was good news. It's a good point. But here's the problem that I run into. Sometimes I get into that Romans chapter 7, you know, that Paul situation where I just go, uh, the things that I want to do, I find myself not doing. The things that I don't want to do, that's what I find myself doing. And he's just ramping up and ramping up until he finally says, oh, wretched man am I. Who shall save me from this body of death? And see, and those are the moments where I'm worse than what I think I am really start to hit home with me. But then this second part of the quote, but I'm loved by God far more than I believe. And I believe that that's where Paul began to write from in Romans chapter 8 when he started saying that therefore there is now no condemnation who is in Christ Jesus. He supplies us peace. And that hope that we are holding on to without wavering comes along with the peace of God. The second thing is his presence. Now we're going to be turning to Matthew chapter 28 here in a minute, but here we just read out of 1427, and in 28, Jesus follows it with this. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will come to you. If you've loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to my Father, for the Father is greater than I. You've heard me say, I'm going away, and then I will come to you. So let's go to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at verse 20. The very last verse in the Gospel of Matthew. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. How can we have hope in peace? Truly, 
in any situation, in any circumstance, in anything in this life that you may be facing, how can we truly have peace? It's knowing that his presence will never leave us. Amen? It's, it's knowing that whatever I'm facing, no matter how severe, no matter how dry the wilderness, no matter how dark the night, no matter how low the valley or how painful this circumstance is, I can have peace and hope in Jesus Christ because I know that no matter how dark it is, he's there with me. No matter how dry it is, he's there with me. No matter how much pain I'm feeling, he is right there with me. No matter how much grief and loss and sorrow I may be experiencing, Jesus Christ doesn't just stick with me through the good times. He's with me all the time. Because the God of the valley is God in the mountain, and he's God in between. So we can hold on to hope because he leaves his peace with us, that he gives us peace that passes all understanding, and that his presence will never leave us, never forsake us. And the last one that we see is his power. Turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 18 and 20. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 18. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope which he has called you to. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Now, I kind of want to read this verse 19 again because we've got some different uh, descriptors here and some different words. But it says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might? Here, Here's how this could have been translated and been very accurately translated in the Greek, from the Greek. It says, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the power of his power and his great might in his power. There's something about having the power of God on your corner that should never, ever allow hope to leave you. To look back and to see throughout this book all of the times that men and women felt like hope was gone, but yet the power of God never left them. When we see the three Hebrew children, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And can, can, can I give a little side note here? You all know what's coming. Some of you know what's coming. I grew up thinking I was like a drive through menu item. I did. Until I learned the actual pronunciation of that name, I thought it was a bendigo. A bend to go. No. Sad part is that wasn't just an ill-timed, very bad joke. I believe that. Anyhow, they'd given up hope like you all have given up hope on me ever being funny. I mean, I get it. But Jesus, I have hope. Unwavering, so I'm going to continue to tell jokes. But we see over and over and over and over again when men and women of God were put in places of where there was seemingly no hope. 
that's when God was there. The presence was in the fire. The presence was in the cloud. The presence was at the Red Sea. The presence was at the crucifixion. The, the, the presence was at Pentecost. The presence was in the churches. And guess what? The presence and the power of God is living, active, and working in your life as a believer today. That is the hope that we have. So there's a challenge here. Like, there is a legitimate challenge of what we're, we're facing here. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And what we've done is we've gone back into Scripture to solidify this imperative command. And what this Scripture does for you is it eliminates all of your excuses for losing hope. And I think there's more responses than this, but I think that there are three main responses that we have when we're challenged like this. And I think the first response is that whenever I'm challenged like this not to lose my hope, I'm just, I'm going to become a fan of that. I'm, I'm going to become a fan. I like that. That's nice. That sounds good. I'm going to live with some hope and I'm going to, I'm going to be a fan of this Jesus thing. But then when the first wave hits us, then we fall away. When the first uh, circumstance that, that's not good, that comes against us, whenever that happens, then this life, this love, this dedication towards Jesus begins to fall away. Now see, I'm going to be real bluntly honest with you in here this morning. I think, that there, I think we have some fans of Jesus in here. And on that level only. Because fans of Jesus will show up when they think they're supposed to show up. They'll be here when they think they want, they're supposed to be here. They may even show up when things are going well in their life, and they may even be, be trying to convince themselves and everyone else that I am all in on this thing. But the moment that something comes against them, they fall away. You can't just be a fan of Jesus. Jesus doesn't want your fandom. He doesn't want you being on his side, so to say. He doesn't want you being on the sidelines cheering along. Jesus calls for your whole life. Jesus calls for everything about you. Let the dead bury the dead. Don't worry about going to say goodbye to your mother and father. Don't worry about your family. If you don't love me so much that it looks like you hate your mother and father and the rest of your family, then you're really not loving me. Jesus doesn't want your fandom. He wants your life. Amen? I mean, if, if I'm wrong, you can correct me. But I see a whole book Mark 10 30, 39 says that whoever lays down his life whoever will lose his life for me shall gain it he wants your whole life he doesn't want you to be just a fan so if you're feeling that drawing of hey man this Jesus thing may be okay understand that Jesus also said that in this life there will be troubles you will be persecuted for my name's sake it's not always easy to follow Jesus Christ. 
The second thing, and what this point have maybe even solidified in, in your heart, I hope not, but I think that sometimes whenever we have to be challenged to place all of our hope in Jesus Christ, I believe that that will cause the proud heart to reject him. The rich young ruler, what do I have to do to enter into heaven? What do I got to do to be part of this kingdom? Jesus said, give away everything. And that offended his heart. He went away sad, dejected, because he didn't want to do that. This falls into this category again of me working and living and doing for Jesus Christ as long as things are going my way and I'm getting what I want and things are nice and easy and I'm being blessed and the money's coming in and the relationship's good and there's not a lot of stress in my life and there's security in different areas of my life. My, my business is doing well. My work life's going well. What if Jesus asked you to lay all that down? What if Jesus would ask you to lay all of that down? So we see that some people just become a fan of Jesus. I think some people, their pride rejects this hope. But then the last one is the faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what our heart's desire should be, is that when we look at the unwavering hope that we have in Jesus Christ, when we look at this love, at this grace, and this mercy, the way that he has blessed us, no matter how bad your life may be right now no matter how difficult the situation is right now i promise you that if you'll look around you'll still find plenty of reasons for you to give him praise i promise you you will still be able to see so many blessings that you don't deserve that far outweigh the difficulties in your life and whenever we begin to look at those, whenever we begin to say that just simply because Jesus Christ is in my life, that's blessing enough for me to faithfully follow him till the end of my days. So my charge to you today is hold on to the confession of your hope without allowing anything that the enemy or this world can throw at you to cause you to waver because if the enemy can't get you to cease crying out to Jesus then he's going to try to discourage you to get your focus off of Jesus if he can't keep you from living for Jesus he doesn't want you living well for him so where's your heart this morning are you just a fan are you feeling the pride and this, this swelling up inside of you that's rejecting this? It's like I'm the master of my own destiny. I make my own path. I call my own shots. Or are you hearing your heart's cry is that, Jesus, I'm going to follow you no matter what. I'm going to be a faithful follower through the highs, through the lows, in the in-betweens, in all areas of my life, I am going to rejoice. And again, I say in all things, rejoice.